following announcement has been paid for by Wild Games Productions. Hi, this is Malcolm and Karen from House of Trades, and with you're listening to Roll, Roll for, for Initiative. Initiative. My fellow Americans. This is Max Hedrum, and what you're about to witness is one of the most sinister-sounding intros to a trailer. For Initiative Podcast, where 1E is the place to be. Roll for Initiative Podcast. This is Volume 5, Issue 173, and we're back for another episode. Um, yeah, we're back. Um, yeah, we just gotta. You laughing at Sal? You're sitting. You're sitting in the. You're like we're back. Well, you're sitting in the goo over there in that chair. Yeah, I cleaned it. He's all right. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. And Nick help me. And do you, anyone know why Matt's on a monitor this week and we can only see his face? I know it's like Matt's headroom. Yeah, Matt's headroom. Matt. Well, after yeah. the uh, ask your parents and, what that is, kids. Yes. <laughs> after the unfortunate incident last week with a orc that shall not be named, uh, it was deemed that I should probably be in a more safe and secure location because, quite frankly. The RFI studios didn't feel like my safe space. Getting you out so of needed... that table was kind of a bitch. Yeah, just a little. Hey. But I'm all about self-preservation, so I am now in a secure location. Got some reinforced doors. Got an all-new setup here, and I won't have to worry about any orc invasions. All right. Oh gonna... uh, well. I we guess... bought the security around here too. I mean, we replaced kobolds with goblins. Yeah, so, I, I didn't pay for more that, hit dice. So. I didn't pay for that. I know. I, I, I have, the, you know, remember, I got a horde of Electrum pieces. So. I, I got, actually got a Telegram, which is kind of odd, because you haven't seen Telegram in, what, 40 years? Yeah, some guy in a, in a hat and a gray suit, and he said, oh, I got a Telegram for you, and he ran out the door. And <laughs> <laughs> he had a mustache, and he had a fedora hat on, and it was, it was kind of funny. And I read the message, it says, stop, things will change, stop, H-A. And I'm like, huh? Eh, whatever. So anyway, um, we have to apologize for the rude interruption last week of the weird orc that had coming in, coming in, yeah, <laughs> that came Ooh. into the studios, grabbed the email bag, and started reading emails while Sal ran out with his leg, be- leg between his legs. Yeah, my leg between my legs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, did he? His did tail he <laughs> between his legs. So have you been drinking already? Yes, yes, I have. This is not water. This is vodka. Leave me alone. <laughs> Don't judge. Do not judge. There's no judging. There is no judging. This is my safe zone here. So anyway, we have kobolds outside the door, as we can what ha- see. Goblins, goblins. I mean, we've Vince, stepped up. Vince, you are so off your game today already. Yeah, I know. We're not even like a minute in, and you've just screwed up constantly. 
Yeah, well, I, I, now I, you understand why I'm in my safe spot. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, I'm far more confident in my safe space. I mean, I got the telegram. We have these new creatures walking around. Sal went hiding somewhere. Matt's in another location. I got this creepy voicemail I'll play during Sage Advice. I oh. mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's going on this week. So, but anyway, um, let's get on with the show. Um, Nick, do we have any stars or anything this week? Uh, no new starred reviews uh, over at iTunes. And just to remind everybody, you can head to iTunes, look up Roll for Initiative Podcast on the iTunes store, and you can uh, drop us some comments there and give us a review of the show. So we really do appreciate that. Great. So head on over there, and we're going to jump right into our first segment of the night. Uh, we'll bring back an old segment from the past, uh, the library. Everybody remember that one, right? Mm. Well, let's go in there now. Close your eyes and tell me what you see. The library. So, <laughs> the library. Remember that book yes. from a long time ago, right? Yeah, blast from the past there. I know. So, Nick, what do we have in the library this week? Um, in the library for this week, we're going to discuss something that uh, happened uh, out there on the interwebs. Uh, mm -hmm. a, in, a man by the name of John, known as John Wick, mm -hmm. posted on his blog about, uh, like, I guess what he determined is the worst D&D &D adventure of all time. And um, it brought up a little bit of controversy amongst the gaming community out there. And I, I posted a link to that on our Facebook page, you know, what his opinion was. So, and there was a... Yeah. You know, and there was I put also a rebuttal to it, and I you asked made a, people, you, oh you made a rebuttal to his statement. Huh? I made a rebuttal, and yes. there was also someone else on a blog who put a rebuttal to to John Wick's <clears throat> opinion on things. Well, his opinion. <laughs> well, you know what they say about opinions. You know, I can't really yes. say, I can't really say in this show, but they're a lot like those. So, mm -hmm. and everybody has one. First of all, he's a turd, an absolute turd. <laughs> And, um, yeah, so I wrote this up on Facebook saying he was an absolute turd, which turned into a large argument and someone got butthurt over it. And I just, there's no need to acknowledge this guy. I don't even know why we're doing this segment. It's just stupid. I just can't stand why we're doing this. What the heck was that? If I may have your attention, I have just received a message from the hires. Up. Oh. And I quote, continuing this segment will not be best for business, so move along. Uh, Thank okay. you. Uh-huh. Uh, all right. Um, Fair enough. Okay. Moving to the next segment. Okay. Moving okay. right now. <clears throat> all right. And we're going to go into DM rules. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want, but are a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. I will look for you. I will find you, and I will kill you. DM Well, in this segment of DM Rules, we're going to be covering something that uh, you brought up. I didn't even know that existed. You didn't? As far as as far as campaign worlds. How dare you? Is, well, hey. <laughs> um, it, I guess it came from the old... 
uh, Imagine magazine back in the 80s that was... What? Are they, what? Are they contacting us again? Us again? Why? I, excuse me, but I do have another message here, and I quote, Please, keep the segments moving at a fair pace. Enunciate properly. We do not need massive backstory. Lord knows there's enough backstory in this product there itself. So we don't need the backstory of the backstory product. Move along. Wow. Wow. Um, what the heck? I, just, just move on, Nick. Go, yes, yeah, I guess so, yeah. Pelinor yeah. is a campaign world that was made up in this magazine, Imagine. So, yeah, sorry I elaborate a little too much. Dang. But, uh, yeah, I know. But anyway, yeah, Pelinor, Campaign World. I guess it's out there on the Internet. You can download it. Uh, all right, guys, what do you think of it? Because <laughs> well, I don't want to waste time. Well, hmm. there's a lot There's a lot involved in this. They put a lot of hard work into this, first of all. just Just I want to clear that right out of the way. Yeah. Lots to go through. If you're going to start downloading this, have some time available. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it reminds over me. 250 pages. Yeah. It reminds me of the city state of the Invincible Overlord. If you decided to expand into the entire world with the level yeah. of detail to the point of being almost too much at times. So I foresee a lot of picking and choosing. If someone were to try to use this, otherwise it'd be trying to run like Forgotten Realms with all of Ed Greenwood's notes. Oh God! Wow, that would be like really, really big. Yeah, it, the world is like huge. I kind of like the the premise that they went that the game world itself is flat, or at least that's the that's what just like in real life. <laughs> yeah, just like in real life. You know, on on the back of a turtle and all that, right? Um, well, it fits on. The but back I kind of turtle. like where they went with that. How you know? But they they say it's like maybe according to sages and wise men, they say it's flat. But there are some rumors that the world might be round. So I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> That's just crazy. Yeah, it's crazy talk. These were actually published over a long span, uh, span a time span. So you reckon? Yeah, fine. Just a little, Still a little flummoxed after that yeah, little incident. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Just uh, the the voicemail and the the goblins and you know the voicemail orc was invasion. Yeah. The orc invasion and you know. Matt, just, let it go, Matt. These higher ups. I'll never let it go. Matt, just let it go, man. Sorry. We're all here for you, Matt. These higher ups. I, I mean, I haven't heard from them in years, so uh, I'm just a little worried now. In my yeah. safe space. That's all that matters. Anyway. So these were uh, over a long period of time from Imagine Magazine in the UK, and it's a really, it's a full-blown campaign for free. Well, yeah. I, maybe not for free, but it was freer than you can buy. I mean, freer than mm. you can buy. I'm just like a retailer. <laughs> <laughs> oh freer God. than you can buy. There you Whoa. go. Institute a wellness policy here. <laughs> Good Lord, man. Like, what is going on over there? Oh, man. I, I don't know. It's insane. Just, Vince needs a nap. I, I, or another <laughs> shot. I, I don't know. I just, I was, I, I'm, just I'm just concerned. I was going to ask, has there been anything on on the United States side, a full campaign-wise, to this magnitude? Boy, that's a good question. Probably, uh, looking at box sets, mm, wasn't Birthright this big, at least? 
No, I'm saying like a, a, something that they put out for free that somebody somebody for decided free? to put their time and sweat into. God, not for free. Come on, no. we're we're well, capitalists here. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's what I'm saying. Like because my personal personally on this this uh, on Pelinor, eighty percent of it is you know very very in depth detail. Yes. Um, and you may not use uh, half you, of that. You know. Yeah. You know that, but. For the most part, I wanted to know, like maybe if the listeners would want to know too, is there something relevant, you know, that that is like our side, you know, our version of something like this? Who has anybody done that, or, you know, aside from you know a forum where they say, okay, let's just do this, and they they give you like a twenty thirty page write up of something, which is a lot of work in and of itself too. Don't I'm not dismissing anybody's work, but this is huge, in depth, and majorly filled in. Oh my God! Yeah, when you yeah. get into the, the the like the real minutia of it, like when they, I mean, they have a whole like section about time, how it is in the game world. I, yeah. I love this. I had to highlight this. This is really cool. Scholars differ in how days and night occur. Some maintain the existence of the war of light being waged by the gods. They are hard pressed to explain the regularity of the alternate periods. There's all these different myths and stuff. They say, yet others say light comes through a tiny hole in the sky, which at night is closed. So I'm like, I'm reading this. I'm like, does the world of Pelennor have no sun? Um, that's how it kind of read to me. Yeah, that's what it reads to me as well. I'm like, they have no sun. It just light appears. <laughs> well, if it's England, it's probably just overcast anyway. Yeah, oh. that's yeah. <laughs> that's overcast all the time. But like I thought that was interesting. Yeah, the actions that Sal takes on this podcast. Oh, are yeah, not I know. I'm gonna get hate mail now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> all hate mail should go to Sal at R Five. <laughs> like really? Jeez. Okay. Oh, now, anyway, yeah. So it, this was broken up over a long span. So it's not like this was just done overnight. And the right. writers took care to just publish little things out. Right now, what we're looking for is the collected Pelnor. Which was done by uh, Kellery from uh, Dragon's Foot and Knights and Nails um, Knights and Knaves Alehouse. Excuse me, I always get the KKNA thing mixed up all the time. Uh, he took the time and the sweat and the effort and put this all into one big little uh, packet full of information. He did a good job. Type most of this, as you guys see, it is not how it was presented. Obviously, it was presented as a magazine format, and he put it into a format that we can all read and enjoy. So. Mm -hmm. and, throw, hey, what's this guy's name? Uh, I'm sorry, his, his forum name is Kellery. Hmm. K e l l r i, I believe. Yeah. I just, I personally, I, you know, they don't need me to do it, but I totally want to salute that guy. Kellery is for people who do this, they love what they're doing, and they're, you know, when they give it to the community after putting in all that hard work, nobody asked him to do it. Nobody was like, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Nobody said, "Hey, can you do this for me?" He did this because. This is an act of love for him. No, oh, yeah, he he definitely. Um, and I I appreciate people like that in the community who do those things, specifically, you know, for absolutely no. You know, like absolutely no reason other than to share with the other gamers, and I think that's something that we need to do more of. I, like I'm just trying to get everybody together, man. Oh yeah, guys. They usually work. Yeah. They usually lurks by running away from your friends when there's a big orc going after her, but yeah. yeah Listen, true. man. Well, I was taught long ago that I I didn't have to run faster than the orc. I just had to run faster than you. <laughs> hey, it works and for I don't run in the very military. Fast, so that's why I'm here. 
Well, you know. Oh, jeez, not again. All right. I yeah, another message. Um, and I quote: <sighs> "Enough with the love of other websites. We're not here to put other people over. We're here I'm, to put ourselves over." I'm Continue just, on with the segment. I'm just oh trying to share with the community. That's where we're here. We're here to what? share information and inform people. You know what? Okay, everybody, just relax. Everybody, calm down. <laughs> with them i mean new year boy they're really putting the hammer down on us jeez yeah um yeah nothing i could do about that so anyway uh back to what we're doing this is was broken down over time uh, people would actually buy the magazine back in the day like we bought dragon magazine and seeing have seen a great article every week for this and they would probably just brush it off thinking it was nothing and here we are what is this 30 years later almost this was magic magazine was like the mid 80s i believe yeah, I think it was like 84, 85. It only yeah. ran for like, what, two, three years. It didn't run for very long over there. I'm surprised. I mean, it was part of the, the TSR UK, and uh, they, yeah. had, they had a pretty big uh, site going on over there. So, mm. But anyway, it turned out to be something big, and today, 30 years later, here we are going, wow, look at this. And you know, Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, the detail they, that, that they went into, I mean, just with, like, again, with the stuff about the gods... Yeah. I mean, the whole history of them, I mean, it reads for a very long time. It's You could spend days in here just reading yeah. this and having your characters go to the City League, which is the main city of the area. And they have things like an arena in there, a monster fighting arena. Now, it's not like what you think it is. It's not like you just kind of, well, you, I guess you can say you fight monsters, but the cool part about it is they have rules in there how the players can go find the rare monsters and bring the monster back to get paid. Right. Which I thought was really cool. Yeah, I kind of made a note about that. The one uh, fellow associated with uh, the Beast Hunter who was associated with mm -hmm. the uh, arena, that's a really good plot hook. Maybe the guy, he can't go all the time hunting for all these uh, weird, mysterious creatures. So maybe he hires the party and say, I need to find a uh, basilisk. Could you go yeah. out and get me one of those? Yeah. Speaking Bring it back alive. And that's the, that's the catcher. You got to bring them back alive. <laughs> I don't think they would want those type of monsters because everybody would turn to stone. I don't know. Maybe. I'm just throwing that as an example, but it's you know, it'd be a good plot book. But there's more. Yeah. There's so much detail in here. They even went as Some... far as making a, uh, the city league regular gang that runs the streets. Yeah. yeah. Like, <clears throat> part of the part of the thing that I thought was really cool, and this is one of those things that you kind of blow over, but they made it into a chart. Mm -hmm. So the uh, when you do you know commit crimes, mm -hmm. you know like what your if you you know people oh the town guard show up. There's actually a chart for police brutality. <laughs> yes, um, I love that too. <laughs> yeah, and then they had like the rap, like what you can get, like the years you can yeah. get, like uh, if, a if the guy, chart if, too? yeah, if they were yeah if you bribe them, like what what was the, what were the odds on they were going to be bribable? To me, yeah. like that is little stuff that you probably wouldn't put in your campaign. You might. Uh, so, but you, you probably would overlook it because you're like, uh, I'll deal with it when it happens. But like now that it's there in a little chart, you can look at it and be like, okay, I'm going to throw that in because the players aren't going to expect it. You mm -hmm. know, the players expect town guard, either run from them or fight them or, you know, go to jail. But yeah. now there's a whole other depth you can add. You can bribe them. You can talk your way out of it. It's it just, to me, I, I like that they took that time to do that. Well, yeah, and, and if there's you want to role even play. If you want to roleplay L.A. Law, there's even rules for oh. adjudicating the mm -hmm. court case. Yeah, yep. that's so much fun. 
<laughs> yes. Uh, you guys will kill me now. It's a, it's, a, it's this thing is definitely a what wealth it? of information. I'll give you that. Yeah, it is. It's... Yeah, yeah. The law stuff. I'm like, oh, whatever. That's fine. I mean, I I never get in that involved in my campaign world. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's just too there's boring. there's two things that I just <laughs> gloss over: law and economic system. <laughs> that's just. You That's spend a the, spend a good year yeah. of campaign time having the OJ case. Yeah. <laughs> I could actually see one of, I could see oh one my of my God. players doing that, wanting to be a lawyer. <laughs> the glove doesn't fit. Oh, we must have quit. <laughs> but you can mine you must this go thing. Find the second killer. Yeah, well, you could definitely <laughs> the second killer, right? You could definitely mine this so thing for some really great ideas. Like this are gambling den in here. I mean. Yeah. yeah, sure. We've they made had the the courtesans in the. Uh, they're in a guild. They're a legit guild. Yeah. So it's um, like, it's yeah. I just I, I I enjoy that. And there's also little gems I picked out of here that just again with the attention to detail, like when they're talking about the nightlife entertainment. How many of you guys? How many of you guys ca caught the halfling football thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> a game that was invented by dwarves and. Whenever they get together in the street, if there's some poor freaking halfling out there, guess what? He's the football. <laughs> yeah, it's like Jugger and Blood Bowl mixed up. And, yeah, I'm, yeah, and there was the one called Gallif. I'm reading it. I'm like, that's golf. <laughs> <laughs> they just converted golf. There's right. just so much stuff in this thing that we can't actually just like narrow it down to one yeah. thing to talk about because it'd be doing an injustice to the entire thing by doing it. So yeah, we could just kind of give you the highlights of what this is, and hopefully it'll interest you enough to pick it up. Because there's 266 pages here of this entire campaign world that's not just, like, pictures and stuff. It's word walls and little mm -hmm. pictures. So it's not like we can sit here and focus on one thing. Yeah, sure, we could focus on the City League, which is fine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that's what we're trying to do right now, but it's not... There's just so yeah. much information inside yeah. the city league yeah. between there's them. hundreds of NPCs. Yeah. Every oh, shopkeep yeah. is statted out in here with a yep. name and level and just a yeah. few tidbits about them. And for and, like for something free, forget like, about the it. thing about the, the the white order when they talk about that um, magic uh, the the wizards uh, mm -hmm. guild. I guess um, yep. that was really well done. Very, very detailed, and and something that's, you know, uh, not done by a major uh, publisher, you know, like well, TSR back in the day. This is really impressive. I found a lot of times when people start doing like a giant town or a duchy or something, when they start putting in that much detail, they tend to leave the fantastic out of it. Mm -hmm. um, they tend to have okay, well, this guy's the mayor of here, and. He's been the mayor for 16. They give you the, his backstory and his kid's backstory and how he owns a granary. And, you know, there's a lot of it's, it's all detail, but then they kind of forget that you're in the fantasy game. Right. And in this there, they keep it full. They keep you, yep. you know, it's a fantasy game. This like for uh, and not going to be any surprise, but one of my favorite things has been with Roazark. I don't I don't know how to if I'm pronouncing that right. Roazarki, Roazarka, uh, he's the Lord of the Undead. Mm -hmm. The fact that they throw that in, okay, and then there's the cult that follows him, and yeah. they are so inundated throughout the entire thing in the guilds, in the businesses, everything. Mm -hmm. Like, they are, they're all over the place because 
it's you know the corruption seeps around through this the entire city and they can't stop it it's not overruling the city and it's not choking out the rest of the detail in this item but it's right. still there and it's still just amazing that it's all they keep it there's a great balance of the fantastic and the mundane which you need mm-hmm. you need the mundane in order to build this city on it but then at the same time there's a lot to keep you occupied mm-hmm. I don't know where to where else to go on this. There's so many different parts that yeah, we can keep going forever. Well, yeah, a, you could. There's uh, a good example. Of some a of the key. things that kind of threw me though were when you when they broke down the different like classes yeah. of of you know social classes of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm reading some of these um, uh, the incomes and expenditures. I'm like, wow. <laughs> I think they were like. They seem really high to me. Like, like for example, when they get into the officers uh, of the militia, or um, there, you can be uh, a militia lieutenant, and your annual income's like anywhere between thirty-five hundred to four thousand five hundred gold pieces, and then all the way up to being a senior ministry official from anywhere from two hundred thousand to a million gold pieces annual income. Yeah, that's I don't know, but that just seems like a lot, a lot of money. <laughs> well, I, I think that might be that's they've said it. So it's not like the average poor town. <clears throat> yeah, where, I guess, you, know, you I throw guess the, that's true. the copper shilling in, into the kid's piss bucket and you're like, OK, there you go for the year. You know, like they've, right. they've made this to where this is a bustling city that is going to draw people in. Right. You know, you, right. if you want to. That's a good point. <clears throat> yeah. If your PC wants to get a job, excuse me. <clears throat> And not just be a lunkhead adventurer running around and getting it. And you land yourself a position. Think about this. Any of your PCs in a game, they've done a couple adventures. You guys wind up in Pelennor. And then somebody's like, well, you're a great fighter. We'd love to have you represent our town here. Oh, here's a job with 50,000 gold a year. Yeah. All of a sudden now it's like, that's also figuring in (laughs) things like bribes. Well, that might be figuring in things like yeah, bribes. And sure, yeah, it does. It even, does. even better, though. But, like, because yeah, that's yeah. now now it's a thing. Because think about it. How many of your PCs would turn down a million-dollar gold-a-year job where no, they don't have true. to go out and get killed? True. <laughs> hmm. Now now that PC now becomes an NPC. And, you know, or you have that player now starting to either throw up laws or maybe helping out the other PCs. You know, he becomes one of those plot-controlled NPCs. Mm-hmm. There's tons of... in. Yeah, taverns in this place to get examples from. If you're having trouble writing something up, look in this book. Have this, a, yeah, this, this is, yeah, this is a, a great resource place to, to mine information. Oh my god! Yeah, keep it yeah. in your computer on your phone. Keep it, you know, if you're if you're lucky enough to print this thing out. Yeah, the asi- you know. there's an asylum in here as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I did see that. That's yeah. pretty cool. There's also a uh, laundry and, mat. <laughs> yeah, there's a laundry mat. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and about like the politics of the city, I guess this kind of ties into it. The wax um, is the uh, is the one. Uh, I guess they're a. I I think they're a secret police. The Knights Ocular. Yep. Because uh, yep. I'm I'm reading. I when I read about them, they talked about how this this mysterious and powerful order has existed for almost as long as the city, and they're a powerful organization. They have a mix of classes, and it's a rumor that they're the head of the Knights Ocular is of semi-divine origin. But they, I guess, 
whatever their motives are, they go into when last a coup was attempted in the city, all nine magic user conspirators in the plot of the Jade Serpent, wizards of 10 to 15th level and all, were dead within two hours. So <laughs> the Knights Ocular, I think they're like, they sound like a secret police, maybe? Yeah. That's maybe they, was... they might be the uh, for the upper levels. Yeah, that's what I was kind of yeah. thinking. You know, just how how I read about them, like that's because they 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 punish people for breaking, trying to break the laws or. Did um, you um? Do you guys you know, trying to rock the boat politically? You know. Yeah, they're they're the Gestapo of this. Yeah, they must see your papers, please. <laughs> Did you guys um papers? notice with the asylum how they have the pictures of them actually penetrating the guy's brain? Like they're yeah, doing... <laughs> yeah. Wow, they went into some real detail here. And they had yeah. like that. And I like I like the artwork like they kind of did the, like those wood carving sort of looks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, even the maps kind of have like an old like wood carving kind of feel to them. Yeah, and Big they have fan. they have the infamous death card. Yeah, for bringing out your dead. Bring out your dead. Not yeah. quite dead yet. You're stone cold dead in a moment. So what are we gonna? Let's do. The, let's give some ratings on this. Um, starting with uh, Matt, what's your sword ratings out of five for this? Sword ratings out of five. I mean, this is a five. I mean, because this is a wealth of things to steal for your campaign. <laughs> Would I ever run uh, Pelinor as it is written? No, but I will gladly yank a lot of stuff from it. I think this is a just like a great idea mind and. Not to mention the maps. The layout is beautiful for someone compiling this from a bunch of magazines. Yeah. I mean, it's great. I mean, and for the price, everyone should download it. <laughs> There's no reason not to have this in your collection. So it's a five. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have to agree with Matt there and say this is definitely a five out of five because of the world, the much time that the TSR UK put into it, and the fact that it's a free resource that you can just mine idea after idea. I've gotten so many ideas that I wrote down on a little piece of paper. I'm going to use them for my campaign if I ever start one up again when I have time. Nick? Um, I'm going to differ a little bit. <gasps> I'm going to give it four and a half, half swords, four and a half Ooh. swords. Oh, um, so maybe like four <laughs> swords and a dagger. So East German judge. Hmm. Uh, and, but I agree with each one of you on the point saying this is an excellent, very detailed campaign. And if you don't use it in its entirety, definitely mine this thing for ideas my god bookmark everything that you think is good and you can plug and play any of this stuff um the only reason why i don't give it a full five is there are a couple things personally i think that just didn't quite make sense and that just comes to some of the things about the gods and their clerics and some of it just didn't quite um, work with me what didn't work with you um there were some of the gods that i read about where it just seemed that, um, well, their their worshippers mm-hmm. are or whatever clerics they have, there's like the like the god of despair, Synthankis, I think it's pronounced. Right. I mean, their clerics can only be first level. <laughs> oh <laughs> they can't yeah. Can't advance anymore. Well, that's the point of that thing. So. Yeah, and there was the. Um, there were some other things I think there were like some things I thought alignment wise didn't quite make sense to me some of the uh, some of the gods there but I mean 
other than that, I mean, overall, the the book is really good. I'm well. There, here's this one. Uh, as I'm paging through the uh, God slash Goddess of Romance, and their uh, their clairs have no cure spells. To me, that makes no sense. I, I I don't know why. It just doesn't quite make sense to me why they can't have cure spells. So I don't know. But was that the that's only, just me. Was that the only thing? Um. Uh, yeah, yeah, just a, a few other things about alignment with some of the uh, some of the clerics, but you know, other than that, I I think it's a great book. I mean, it doesn't mean you can't modify it to yourself if you use any of these things. So, it's not like the whole campaign saying will fall apart. So, jeez. Oops, I have another message from the hires up here, and what I, did I quote: do now? "We understand it's five stars, but really." <laughs> You giving it four and a half, that's just unacceptable. <laughs> See you in HR after the show. What? Oh, man. Wait, 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 wait. We have an HR department? I didn't even know we had one. <laughs> I, I know we have a legal department. I didn't know we have an HR department. Hmm. This is the first I'm finding out about the HR department, too, but it's in the message, so it must be true. Uh, it's probably run by the Otiag who eats all the all of our garbage. What's but, Cranston uh, H head of HR? What, what? We're still here. We're in listening. So please, Nick, remember it's a five star product, not a four star pro- and a half star product, because five star products are best for business. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I need to uh, reevaluate uh, this particular product, and I will say that it is five stars. Uh, it's five swords, guys. Store- swords. Thank you. Is that better? I think Sal works for the higher ups. Listen, I'm just trying. I'm just trying to make everybody happy here. <clears throat> yeah. And I'd like I'd like to start off by giving Nick's review three stars. <laughs> Thank you. And... All right, I could get on board with that. I think we better go into a commercial break before we get in any more trouble. So we'll be right back after these two messages. Are you enjoying the show you're listening to right now? Want to help support the show? Why not head over to the Patreon site, patreon.com slash WGP. That's patreon.com slash WGP. And help support the network for as little as $1.50 a month. That's right, $1.50 a month goes a long way. Thank you. I believe in the old things, you know. Family, friendship, fairness. That's what this country's all about. Taking it to the edge, laying it all on the line. I watch your tail, you watch mine. I value human life. Hey, we're all on the same side. T.J. Hooker, he's with you. Are you saying that I put an abnormal brain into a seven and a half foot long? Wow. (laughs) With a little trip in the Wayback Machine there. Yeah, I know, right? Monster I got here is the Gibbering Mouther. This is a very Cthulhu type monster that first appeared in a module. Uh, 
believe Hidden Shrine of Tomochan, and it's in the Monster Manual too. Mm-hmm. This is if you want to add some like you know Cthulhu Mythos elements to your campaign, this is a great monster to add. Um, it's not exactly the most powerful thing, but it is. Um, <laughs> it's weird looking. Um, it's uh, armor class is one. It's got a little more than four hit dice. And damage per attack is only one point, but it gets six of those around. So, in its special attacks, it spits at you, it babbles, and you have to make saves versus confusion. Because what this thing does, it's an amoeba like mass of mouths and eyes. Hmm. And the picture of it on the original module by Errol, Errol Otis. This really does the thing justice, hmm. if you know what I'm talking about. I mean, because Errol Otis is just a great artist in his own right. But um, what this thing does is it likes to lie in wait with all of its eyes and mouth sh- uh, shut, kind of looking like an earthy, lumpy material, like either like rock or maybe dirt or what have you. And then hopefully it'll surprise the party and it'll try to eat whatever is edible and within reach regarding if it's composition animal vegetable or mineral so it just consumes everything uh usually a good indication if this thing is around if the if the surrounding area is like completely stripped bare of organic material uh they like to inhabit cold regions such as dungeons and um they propel themselves by oozing forward and sometimes fasten, fastening their mouths on the ground, on the walls. So you could picture this thing kind of lumbering, dragging itself across the uh, across the floor. Yeah, yeah, I dated a girl like that once. Well, yeah, I think we all dated that girl <laughs> once. Uh, and um, they also ha- they move faster over fluid viscous terrains such as mud and quicksand by a series of muscular contractions and give given a chance will alter the ground with its special talent to allow this faster form of movement what it does is this uh this creature can like superheat the ground that's around it and it makes it malleable which is which is really weird and and, it, and it, that includes like any stone or, or hard dirt, it becomes almost like quicksand or mud. Hey, hang on, hang on a sec. Hang on. So a gibbering mouther, they actually see. I, I never knew that. I've I've used them, and I've I actually mm-hmm. I like using them because because of the Lovecraftian feel. It's just that kind of freaks people out if something has more than yeah. one mouth or or more than one set of eyes. So now I didn't realize they actually warm up the area around them to make it. Like, I don't know how, like, like a mud like or a clay or a mud like material. Huh. It, what it says, it says a mouther always warms the ground in stone within a five foot radius of itself and can control the consistency of this material by changing it into a doughy, tarry quicksand of, or concrete. It requires five segments to alter earth <laughs> and one full round to shift stone to its next nearest form. Given the opportunity, a mouther will trap other prey in quicksand-like ground once it has pulled down one victim. So that's a great way to trap everybody. You know, it's lying in wait, hidden. You know, all of its eyes and mouths are closed. 
and the party's kind of examining this thing, and they just start slowly seeing that they're sinking into the the stone floor of the dungeon, <laughs> and they don't know why. And this I, thing will I, I never knew that. attack you. Yeah, and it, it's a great. Uh, and it could be also be a, like a defense mechanism too. If it's getting hurt too much, heats up the ground, um, scuttles away, and then the person's like half stuck in 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 the in the mud, and then it turns back to pack the dirt or to stone or whatever. So it could be a, like a defense mechanism if it has to run away. Mm-hmm. Um, the other ways it attacks besides uh, biting is it'll spit at you, and when it happens, the spittle of a mouth or will burst into a bright flare if it strikes any hard, cold surface. The resulting flash will blind those characters looking if they fail the save versus petrification for one round. And a mouth or attacks by extending and biting with six mouths per round, and each of those do a point of damage. And if three or more are attached to a person, they must check each round thereafter for slipping. A roll four or less on 2d6 indicates the character has fallen. And then they're going to be drawn into the thing and eaten alive. And then there's the worst part, why it's called gibbering. It produces this uh, confusion attack. All these different mouths start saying weird, confusing, archaic, mind-numbing things. And whoever hears it, they have to save um, versus confusion. And this is, I think, within a, which would be a six inch, which would end, uh, which would convert to sixty feet, unless the save versus spells made. Each round that the giving mouther is heard, characters within range must roll another save, and they will be confused. And the confusion varies. You be wander around for one round. <laughs> you stand stunned for one round. You attack the nearest living creature for one round. So, like I said, 60 feet away, you're down the dungeon corridor with your party, and the lead thief hears this weird gibbering uh, babbling ahead of him. He fails his save, and then he runs back towards the party and attacks the magic user. <laughs> you know, something like that. See, uh, everybody's now- going, what the heck's going on? <laughs> I've always like I've I love I, I actually really do enjoy the vision of the the gibbering mouther and I, like I said I uh, I've actually made a couple minis for it for the game. Oh, I have uh, you. Yeah, and it's to me I've I've always made them larger than what they're supposed to be, just because I think that again the representation of of a giant tentacled you know multi-eyed multi-mouthed creature just yep. spitting out all this these sounds yeah and you know it's uh, to me i think that would just they they get overlooked because not a lot of people use them and i but i i didn't i a lot of that stuff that you were telling us i really had no idea about it yeah so the, that's the, good the, the ground warming thing the spill yeah. and the last attack <clears throat> uh with the confusion mm-hmm. you could treat it as a fear spell and then you run away for two rounds. So you could have a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of player characters around this thing. They all fail their saves, and they'll all have different results. Or some might run away. If, some yeah, some might say, attack if it's, you. You talked about the the thief. The thief goes down there, gets confused, yeah. doesn't run away, but is just like standing there, like kind of drooling. Uh huh. 
and everybody follows up anyway, and then that just that would be even creepier. Like he's standing in the corner, like in Blair Witch. He's yeah, just yeah. stuck in the corner, gibbering in himself. Yeah, yeah. The words, the words. <laughs> anyway, just standing there like a like a. It does have some treasure. Uh, question. Treasure type Q. I have a quick yeah. question. What's its intelligence rated at? Its intelligence is semi-intelligence. So, uh, I guess according to the chart, semi-intelligent, that would be what? I think like a range of two to four. Yeah. It's not very high. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, yeah semi-intelligence, range of two to four. Boy, that's a good guess. Yeah. I just looked it up. So, how you know, much I played this game. Uh, and treasure type Q, like I said, I don't think that's a very... Uh, I think that's mostly gems. Treasure type. Oh, only gems? Darn. <laughs> I think. Because those are worthless. I just Ugh. grabbed my fiend folio because that was the closest thing I have. Quick, what's treasure type Q? <laughs> um, well, Nick looks up. Oh, another Q. good guess. Oh. One to four gems, 50%. I'm two for two, folks. Wow. <laughs> and the crowd goes wild. <laughs> Hooray! Gee, only about 35 years of playing AD&D. I might learn, might know a thing or two. Well, so, it's a pretty cool monster, I think. And like like uh, like uh, Sal said, not very powerful, like relatively low hit dice, but it would be a great uh, monster for when you have a starting campaign, first or third levels. That would be a really good big baddie, I think, like at oh, the man. end of, a, yeah. of an adventure, you know, or somewhere in the dungeon. This is the... This is the uh, maybe uh, a monster that's controlled by like an evil cleric or something like that. Mm. You never know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, cool monster. Yeah. All right. Cool. Let's head into our last segment. Of the... oh, actually, why don't we take a quick break because we have a special guest returning to the show that people have not heard from in a long, long time. Mm. It's a man that has been ignoring us and still taking a paycheck after five years. <laughs> We have Blackstone's Vault coming up next, folks. Blackstone's Vault. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a long-awaited new episode of Blackstone's Vault. I am your host, Blackstone, and I'm going to be back for good. So, on Roll for Initiative, you're going to be hearing me do reviews of some older modules by TSR and some newer stuff that's out from the OSR and also some other new interesting products that could be adapted for AD&D. So without further ado, let's get started. The module that I'm going to be reviewing for this episode of Blackstone's Vault is Module C1, The Hidden Shrine of Tomoachan by Harold Johnson and Jeff R. Leeson. It was originally published in 1979 at Origins for an official AD&D tournament there. And TSR printed 300 copies that were made and sold for the con and was originally titled Lost Tomoachan, the Hidden Shrine of Lubatum. Now, whatever copies weren't sold at Origin 79 were brought back to TSR and then sold at the Dungeon Hobby Shop right there in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. 
the first official mass publication of Hidden Shrine of Tomoe Chan was in 1980. This one has a monochrome cover, like various modules by TSR that was done at that time, like Tomb of Horrors and Vault of the Drow when they were first released. The cover was somewhat of a beige-brownish cover color, and it also had a picture of a bat breathing fire on some unsuspecting adventurer. The second mass printing of Hidden Shrine was done in 1981. The cover was redone as a brown cover, and the cover artwork was done by Errol Otis, which had depicts a ogre attacking an adventuring party. Along with Errol Otis, other artists that did work on Hidden Shrine of Tomoe-chan were Darlene, and if you recall, she did much of the artwork for TSR in the Dungeon Master's Guide, and also the World of Greyhawk. She did the uh, large poster map for that box set. And like I said, Errol Otis, and much of the interior art was done by David LaForce, Jeff D., and David Sutherland III. Another interesting feature of this module is, along with the standard adventure book, this one also has a separate illustration book. So, at certain times in the module, the DM can present an illustration to show to the players of the room or situation that's going on inside the module. Now, before I actually talk about the adventure itself, I'm going to warn everybody, there's going to be some spoilers that are going to be revealed. So, if you're going to be using this module in the future, if you're a dungeon master, it's going to be using that. Or if you're going to be playing in this module as a player, then I suggest you stop listening now and or proceed on ahead to the end of the segment. So here we go. The adventure is set in a part of the World of Greyhawk setting called the Amedio Jungle, and this is Hex A4137. And this is very interesting about this module that it's set in this area. It's like on the very edge of the map. And how the player characters are introduced into this module is that they are lost. And they're running away from somebody or several somebodies from some sailors on a ship, but there's no real explanation why they're running away. This is a holdover from when it was a tourney module. Like many tournament adventures, it kind of starts right in the middle of the action or right near where the adventure is going to actually start for the dungeon. So part of this is they find in the shrine in the jungle when they're tromping through the night and they're trying to get away from all these, whoever these are, these people trying to chase them, and they're finding a place to hide, which is the temple, and they figure probably the best place to be. Now, this might work all well and good if it's a used for a tournament, but if you're going to use this for a campaign, I don't think this is quite the best way you want to introduce this adventure. I have a few suggestions, some things that come to mind, is maybe the adventuring party found a map like in a hoard of treasure and this leads them to the hidden shrine of Tomochan. Or maybe there's a wizard or a sage that's looking for some 
weird and rare spell components, and he sets the adventuring party on a quest to find these interesting components. Also, one of my favorites is maybe use a part of a Lost World campaign setting. You use this in conjunction with uh, the module Isle of Dread, which is from regular D&D, but easily adaptable to advanced Dungeons and Dragons, and also with Dwellers of the Forbidden City, so you have this whole Lost World mini-campaign setting right at your fingertips. Now, two things right off the very beginning are going against the adventuring party. One, it's a race against time, meaning that the lower level of the hidden shrine is filled with a colorless, odorless, poisonous gas. And every turn that they spend in the lower levels, they'll take one to six hit points of damage. Now, there are some ways that they can negate this damage or slow it, like using neutralized poison, for example. But how they detect it that's going to be probably after the first time they take one to six hit points of damage from whatever it is. Hopefully they'll figure it out before the next time that they take damage. The second thing that's working against the adventuring party is that the Hidden Shrine is very, very old. It's been abandoned for hundreds and hundreds of years. So the corridors leading to all the different rooms are very unstable. And very powerful spells, very destructive spells like Fireball and Lightning Bolt, not only do their regular damage, but also can collapse the ceiling or the floor in doing 3d10 points of damage. And it will collapse maybe about 20 to 30 feet of a corridor, depending if you use a Fireball or a Lightning Bolt. So imagine the looks on their faces when the wizard and the party cast Fireball down the corridor. And also they take damage, not just from Backblast, but from also a 30-foot radius being destroyed by the Fireball. Now the NPCs in this adventure are really standard NPCs in the fact that the monsters themselves are really the non-player characters. So you can really uh, take things to the next level by pretending there are a lot of these different monsters here. As you can also imagine, there aren't any wilderness encounters with this adventure, but you can easily create some of your own if you desire. Now the dungeon itself has a really good mix of traps and monster encounters. So any fighters or thieves in your in your party are going to be very satisfied with this adventure. Some of the more interesting things that are in this uh, module are the two monsters that were introduced, which were new at the time, was the, uh, the Gibbering Mouther and the Neride. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And Neriad, Neriad. Anyway, she's like a water elemental that can charm you. And she's very dangerous. And, of course, the Gibbering Mouther, which basically bites and claws at you and can do a really interesting thing to the ground underneath you by basically warming the ground around it and it makes everything soft and malleable and you'll start sinking into the ground. And this includes rock. 
possibly stone. Now, there are too many encounters that go over in its entirely of this adventure, but I'm going to go over just a few of them that I think are some of my favorites. There's a talking crayfish. There's also a vampire that is encountered, and it's not your standard vampire. So your party is going to have um, a rather difficult time trying to eliminate this vampire. There's also a, an encounter called the Tomb of Pelota, which is a trap and a game at the same time. They play this ancient uh, omen game with a ball, but they can't stop playing until they score a goal. They can also take points of damage and all that stuff like that. So it's a very interesting trap. There's also an encounter with a Were Jaguar. Another room encounter called Ancient Tomoachan, which the entire room is a trap. There's also the Chapel of Kukulkan. And this is my favorite encounter of the adventure because the background of this one is there's a Kowatl and it has been captured and imprisoned in this place probably since from the very beginning. And it's trying to get out. When the adventuring party comes across it, the quaddle is invisible and is trying to get the party to break these barriers so it can get free. But they have to prove themselves. In order to prove themselves, certain player characters of certain classes have to perform some rather um, unique tasks to break through various areas to set him free, and they will be very well rewarded for their efforts. Now for some of the good stuff. I like this module because it introduces the Ullman culture to the world of Greyhawk. It has a very Mesoamerican feel, that's why I like it. And the Ullman culture that it was introduced here is kind of an amalgam of Aztec, Mayan, and maybe some Incan as well. So this module, from the very beginning where it came out in the early 80s, it broke out of the mold of the standard medieval tropes of D&D. So this is um, rather different and unique. And it does have like a Lost World kind of an adventure feel to it, like some of the the pulp fiction of like uh, Robert E. Howard of his Conan the Barbarian series of, of stories, which I enjoy and very much feels like that. This module is also very detailed. Uh, Johnson and Leeson really did their homework on Mesoamerican culture and how to bring that into a D&D environment, kind of make something up on their own. But if you read a lot of the the entries for different encounters and the names have a very Mesoamerican flavor and feel to it, which again makes it rather unique. It also has all the things that you need for tournament play. At the end, there's some pre-generated characters, and near the very beginning, there's also rules to run it as a tournament module, so they're not all spaced out throughout the whole module so much. In addition, in the module, it is encouraged for the Dungeon Master to expand on certain areas of the Hidden Shrine. For example, there are some areas that are blocked off that have been uh, collapsed uh, areas, and 
the uh, dungeon master is encouraged to maybe build up on that. Maybe there's a whole other section, maybe a whole other dungeon beyond this collapsed area of rubble. So that's another interesting way of expanding on this module. And one of the, I guess if you could call a negative side to it, is, as I've said, it's very t detailed, but it's also rather complex. So I wouldn't recommend it for a, for a beginning DM. I would probably run this later on in a campaign once you get a little more experience under your belt. So there's a, there's a lot of heavy reading into this module, uh, surprisingly enough. And I think that comes in particular for the traps that are in this module are somewhat very, com very complex. So you have to read carefully how these traps are sprung and how that you might avoid them. So you really want to read through this adventure maybe a couple, three times, take some notes like any good DM would. Overall, my opinion of this module, I really like it. It's unique because of that rich Mesoamerican flavor, feel, atmosphere around it. And I have to admit, it made me think of Indiana Jones every time I read this module. So that's why I like it. It's just one of those interesting modules that it, it breaks the standard medieval D&D tropes. If you really want to find something unique and interesting, this is really the module for you. Now you can find this module in a couple places. One is dndclassics.com. You could get it as a PDF for $4.99. You can also find it on eBay. And doing in my research, uh, you could find it as low as $5 and could go up maybe $35 or more depending on the printing and also the condition of the module. So that'll about wrap it up for things on Module C1, The Hidden Shrine of Tomoachan. The next module I'm going to be reviewing is the next in the competition series, Module C2, Ghost Tower of Inverness. So until then, this is Lord Blackstone saying goodbye for now, and may all your hits be crits. Greetings, old one. We seek your advice. Excellent. Sit by the fire and we shall talk. Welcome to Sage Advice. All right, we're in Sage Advice. Blast from the past bumper. You know, that was bumper from episode, like, one, two, three, four. Oh, my God, yeah. That's that's way, way past. Who's the old guy there, Vince? Oh, I don't know. Not, not me. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, we have a couple emails and a voicemail. Uh, 570-865-4210. Um... Just making the check out the window there that there's no orc heading in this way. Doors locked there, right? You guys said doors locked? Yeah. yeah but doors are locked. Goblins are are on guard. We're good to go. Yeah, I'm just you know, a little worried. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, rfistaff at gmail.com is our email address. But the thing that's been throwing me off all show, and it's really weird. I mean, after we did the Satanic Panic show, somebody called into our voicemail line with this really weird voicemail. I mean... It's just, I don't know if you're. A fan. Okay, now hang on, hang on. I make sure everybody understands this. What? This is not a bit. 
You know what I mean? Like, just inform yeah. everybody because I don't think it'll have the impact if everybody thinks it's some sort of a gimmick bit or some sort of a you know like a setup. This it's, is it's this not. is a, a legitimate voicemail that Vince got that is rather weird. It's weird and it's been throwing me off all show. But I mean, this yeah. is not you know this is definitely you know a straight yeah. shoot type S- thing going on. I'll, so. I'll vouch for Sal and Vince. This is something that he played us before the show would listen, and this is this is a real thing we got on the voicemail. From who? I, I don't know. I don't it's, know, but it sounds weird. <laughs> it kind of gave me the chills. The, the topper of the whole thing was it said unknown for the voice, uh, the number. Because usually it tells really? me it'll That's if you call so in creepy. Nick or Sal calls into the voice, it'll say the number that you're calling so from. It came up unknown on the caller ID. Yeah, unknown. That <clears> is weird. Yeah, it's, it's a little rough. All right, so here we go. That's just weird. <laughs> oh, that's still man. It's it's fun. Like I like I love being scared. I'm a big fan yeah. of horror movies and stuff. But like here and stuff like this always just gives you that little extra douche chill in the and back. Remember of your what neck. I said before we started the show, Sal? This is the kind of stuff you hear in like coast yeah. to coast AM, yeah. man. This George Nori, like, Art Bell. That's this I is the know. stuff. This is, oh my god. This. Okay, I think we just had a visit from the supernatural. <laughs> I mean, whatever, whatever fan went to the trouble of doing this, we appreciate that right after the satanic Please, show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for freaking us out. <laughs> right after right after the uh, satanic panic show. Yeah. And keep yeah. it up, by the way. I want more. Make it better, yeah. guys. You can do better. Yeah. <laughs> you can do yeah. better. <laughs> clean up the audio a little bit. <laughs> yeah, clean up your audio. Well, See, that, now, now you guys know what it feels like to get emails. Uh, your audio is crap, and uh, you could do better. You guys could do better. <laughs> well, you know, obviously that's through a telephone, so. I said it was really cool. Though whoever did that, awesome because that was good. <laughs> yeah. Well, if it was from a real listener, we just don't know. Do or we? you know, did, yeah, did. because it was Satan dialing <laughs> us up. Because that's exactly what happens. Could you be. don't know. Yeah, yeah, anyway, let's jump into our emails. The first email is a little bit long, coming from DM Freddy. Uh, DM Freddy, our friend, also known Hello, as, as also known as Elf D on Facebook in our forums. So he goes by two names. Uh, I had to kind of throw in some little editor notes in here to figure out what he's talking about because <laughs> the last time okay. the orc was kind of saying that you know we have no idea what he's talking about which is you know, yeah. he did he did have a point it's yeah. not it's not him by the window is it but, Vince man relax oh, okay. just, sorry just relax and read the book oh, read, the, read the emails alright so it says and this is talking about issue 64 one thing I think is funny is that Vince whines so much about skills, but often talks about White Wolf. It's a fantasy game. What do you need skills in WAD for? Irony and stuff. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. I'm really that's, su- that's a little funny. Yeah. I'm really surprised you guys talk about the coal rules, which makes some sense, but you completely gloss over the fact that you will take heat damage sitting in the sun when it's 70 degrees outside and you're wearing sport shorts and a t-shirt seriously check it out it's patently ridiculous no yeah patently ridiculous wait what 
Yeah. You can tell the rules were written by someone who's never been in the warm weather in their life. I'm looking at you, Kim Mohan. I've reached out to him. (laughs) I've reached out to him on Facebook, and he hasn't answered me. Well, Will is definitely an upgrade from Jason. (laughs) Wow. And then he goes on. And this actually this is a string of a couple emails I put together because he likes to send little emails as he's reading. Okay, so what you've done, you've basically made a Pelinor out of all the emails. Exactly. Good. Oh, you see, I see a theme, guys. Come on. This is <laughs> this is the collected DM Freddy. <laughs> the, the collective works of DM Freddy. <laughs> he starts off his next email saying, "Comeliness is stupid. For starters, it's sexist." Oh, oh, jeez. Come on. One just needs to look at the judges' guild stuff to see how negative it can get. But really, the most important reason is what can it accomplish that charisma cannot? Anyone want to answer uh, that? Okay, charisma. Comeliness, Here you go. Beauty. Exactly. Is... There are guys, Doi. there are people I've known who they could stop a clock with their face, but they are the most well-spoken people I've ever met. And they could, if they talked to you on a phone, they could sell you snow in the middle of the Antarctic. Okay? But if you were to look at them, you'd vomit. Okay? And on the the opposite side of that, you can have the other side of that is the charisma. Super low, but they are gorgeous. Yeah. Okay, they are. I can give you two good examples of that. Someone that has high charisma but low comeliness. Mick Jagger. Hmm. He's not exactly the best-looking man on the planet, even back in the day. But the guy exudes—he oozes charisma. That's why he got all the babes. People who think he is there's women who think he is the sexiest man on the planet. There you go. On the opposite side, I'd say Kim Kardashian. Yeah, she's beautiful and all, but no, she's—I just want to smash her. Well, some people think she is, but she's got the charisma of like a wet taco. Now, now, no one wants to go to HR with Nick. That's true. Bring him on. Uh, Going on, uh, he says, I agree with Jason for once. Cavaliers, referring to issue 40 here, I had to figure this one out, Uh, are super OP, which I figured out was overpowered. Overpowered, yeah. Yeah. They get a huge laundry list of bonuses for following a strict, in quote, code that most characters for all classes already follow. Killing everything that moves. (laughs) They're totally ridiculous. A few negative level things... Then what? Sets them back 3,500 XP? That's nothing for fifth level. Any comments on that? Uh, no. I love, I, no. I love the Cavalier class. I don't care. I, I, I think it's it. fine. I yeah. used the corrected one out of Dragon Magazine. But yeah. overall, I mean... It's a little powerful, but if you know how to play it right and you're not a munchkin, it could be a fun class. Yeah. Especially if you if you play it like Eric from the cartoon. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Run away from everything. Just (laughs) run from everything and hide behind your shield. And then brag about it afterwards. (laughs) Of course, Jason lost me because he was dissing second edition for no other reason besides his personal spite. (sighs) But he is right about the Cavalier on pretty much all the points. Hopefully you guys get to some of the other ridiculous parts of the UA, such as the Thief Acrobat, Caltrops, Polearm, Apalooza, and the Super Overpowered Races. Oh, he's one of those. Oh, boy. He's an anti-Unearth Arcana person. Love the show, DM Freddy. We love you, DM Freddy. Keep those emails coming. The Orc wants to read them. I love love reading uh, his stuff. And you know what? Uh, DM Freddy, I love Unearthed Arcana. And I'm saying that because it's going to get under your skin. 
So he's going to show up and murder you. No, uh, not, no. We got goblins with scimitars at front. Can't get in. So, there. <laughs> and our last email comes in from Paul. And he said, really enjoying the podcast so far, good sirs. <laughs> <laughs> what are you laughing at? I thought you were going to start reading all weird. Never mind, go ahead. Really, really enjoy. No. I'm sorry. I am so, so sorry. Yes. Really enjoying the podcast so far, good sirs. And there's quite a bit of historical content for me to go on through. Thanks for putting it together. Also, who was the guy with the unique voice that talked a lot on the old Ravenloft episode but doesn't seem to be on the show now? Enjoyed hearing from him. Cheers. Was that Vin? Uh, uh, which, uh, that might have been Will. Will? Will. That's might have been Will. We did like four Ravenloft episodes. One Jason was around. And then we had we did Will, and then Chad was on one as well. But he's saying old, so I'm assuming that's gonna be Will. Yeah. Yeah. Will Will, will is the only guy I could think of with like a like a real distinctive voice yeah. that sticks out. We didn't have Tracy Hickman on for a Ravenloth episode, didn't we? Well, mm. I know we talked about it with him. Yeah, we didn't have him on the actual episode. We just talked to him a bunch of times. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm wondering if he was re- uh, referring to Trace. I'm just but Tracy curious. doesn't have a distinct voice, though. Like yeah, a really yeah. The only voice. person I could think of that was kind of distinct was yeah. Will had kind of a distinct voice. Will kind of had that Dusty Rhodes thing going on. If anyone, yeah, yeah. No. What? If you listen to Will, a lot of people will say he sounds like Dusty Rhodes. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, that's the emails this week. Five seven zero eight six five forty two ten. The hotline. Uh, RFI staff at gmail dot com. Hit us up on Facebook dot com slash RFI podcast. And just leave us a message and tell us what you're doing, what's going on, you know. And we're going to end the show this week because that's everything. So keep it original, keep it old school, and good night, everybody. Good night. Goodbye, everybody. The Roll for Initiative podcast is a production of Wild Games Productions in association with d20radio.com. You can visit us at rfipodcast.com or contact us on our forums at osrgaming.org or even by calling us at 570-865-4210. This podcast is produced for entertainment purposes only. All other uses are prohibited. And remember, if your magic missile spell doesn't automatically hit, you're playing the wrong edition. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Roll for Initiative. Thank you.